0: A leader throughout her life, activist, author, and award-winning journalist Aisha Sesse has dedicated her career to empowering and amplifying the voices of young women across Africa. On this episode of the AW360 podcast, I speak with the former CNN international journalist and correspondent about her perspectives on modern activism, the struggles activists face in an always-on and arguably over-informed world, and her new podcast, The Accidental Activist. I hope you enjoy this episode. Aisha, welcome to the AW360 podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: My pleasure. So you are a woman of many different backgrounds. Um, <laughs> how do you describe what you do today? And then we'll kind of jump around in your career path as to how you kind of got here.
1: Um, let me say I was thrilled when people started throwing around the term multi-hyphenate. I loved it. I was like, okay, great. Um, that's where I sit in a world where I'm a journalist, I'm an author, I'm an activist. Um, I, I, am, I am many things and, you know, originally coming from spending 13 years at CNN as an on-screen talent. So um, now that I sit as a CEO of OK Media, the journalism still continues, but I have double the hats that I wear.
0: Excellent. Well, everything you just listed is everything I want to be. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say that and get that out of the way. I aspire to be all of these things. I have absolutely no idea how to get there. So if you could, starting with activism, let's dive into that a little bit. How did you get into activism?
1: I say to people that I'm an accidental activist, which um, is actually the name of my brand new podcast. I'm also a podcaster. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am an accidental activist, and it really came by way of the 2014 abduction of 276 Nigerian schoolgirls. I was working at CNN at the time when the story broke, and I felt that the response was inadequate. And, and when I say that, I mean the telling of the story was short-lived and people moved on quickly as they tend to do in today's news cycle. And it, 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 I think as an African woman, as a child who comes from a family where um, you know, before my mother, they weren't educated. I understood and personally benefited from the power of education. So that story struck me differently. And I felt that long after the world's attention had moved on, we we had a responsibility and suddenly I felt a responsibility to keep bringing people's attention back to the fact that these girls were missing. And that kind of just morphed into doing more and more um talks using my voice, using my platform, moderating, um, joining um, different boards, and ultimately setting up my own not-for-profit, uh, We Can Lead, which is a not-for-profit organization that, until COVID hit, was operating in Sierra Leone and providing in-person um empowerment lessons to um, adolescent girls helping them really identify their own passions so yeah it all started from a new story back in 2014.
0: Just out of my own curiosity it feels like in the world we live in today and increasingly so as we go on this is not to sound depressing or anything of the sort it's just kind of how I perceive the world it feels like there's so many different areas where one would want to be an activist you chose yours through the path through cnn what kind of advice would you give someone who is looking to be an activist who many like myself are having a hard time determining what is the thing or things that i care most about that i want to go out and make a difference
1: you know that's something that i talk about a lot with the guests who are in, in this who, who join me for the season of the accidental activist we spend a lot of time figuring out you know, where do you focus? And, you know, it it really always comes back to what are you most passionate about? I think Amanda Seals, who's the first guest on the show says it best. She says, what is the thing that will get you off the sofa when you're, you're most tired and you're most depleted? What is that thing that will spur you to give your last 10% to use your, your voice and your energy? And I think that's absolutely true because I think, if you're not absolutely passionate about it, you won't be absolutely absolutely committed, and you won't be able to stay the course when the when the challenges come, and they will come in in, in this work of, of being an activist. And the other thing I would say, and I think it's important to, to, to stress, you know, I just mentioned that you know I have a not for profit currently paused um, because the world is still quite uncertain. But um, one of the things I, I say to people that don't think that activism equates to running off to set up a not-for-profit. I think people have to figure out their entry point and their different entry points to people or for people in in doing the work of an activist. For some people, it's marching. For some people, it is sharing on social media. For some people, it's fundraising. Um, For some people, it's creating petitions. Find your entry level and it's okay. You know, you just need to do your part, whatever that part is.
0: And do you find that there is more challenge now than before with with activism? Or do you find that it's um, a little bit easier because of the way technology enables us to communicate? Or is there really no difference?
1: Oh, I, I would say for certain that social media and you know and and technology has made has made it a a much more easily accessible world for for people Mm -hmm. um and and I'm, i'm so thankful for that i'm so thankful that there's less of a sense that people need permission or to be invited in that they can now take the onus and they can use um social media to, 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 to organize, to um, amplify and, and, and to do this work. Um, and in some cases it's through social media that they even hear about the issues and figure out what they're passionate about. So, you know, I think, you know, we all know, we've said it many, many times, social media has brought a kind of connectedness, you know, to the world between us all um, for good and for bad. And I think certainly in terms of opening it up, opening up the world of activism, it's been for good.
0: And going back to to something you said earlier, keeping in front of people and one of the struggles that, you know, with the, the news cycle, the way it works in, in the world today is we do have very short attention spans. I think we're r- realizing that, you know, as we're recording this, you know, not only are we coming out of a pandemic, presumably, um, <laughs> but, you know, there, there's a war going on in, in a, the Ukraine and it's really difficult. And for me personally, just as I notice things, it's frustrating to see people sort of, you know, okay, that's yesterday's news. What's next? But well, yes. it hasn't. You know, it hasn't run its course. It hasn't completed. It hasn't resolved. It's. I can't even imagine, as somebody who is very passionate about the things you've been passionate about over time, how that must feel. And how? So how do you how do you deal with that? Both you know, personally and professionally. How do you keep in front of it and keep it in front of others?
1: Yeah, it's really hard. I you know, and it's one of the things that I wrestle with and. You know, sometimes sometimes I do better at overcoming those emotions than others. I, you know, I'll give you an example when the conflict in Ethiopia started um, uh, last year now, I think last December, really, uh, actually two Decembers ago, I've, I've lost track of time. Um, you know, I was struck by how little coverage it was receiving um, as the Ethiopian government um, basically went to battle with Tigrayan, um, Tigrayan rebels, um, as as they call them, um, and really launched a campaign which you know produced um, you know scores of rapes and you know um, allegations of atrocities on on both sides. And I was stunned as I watched, you know, the relative silence, you know, as, you know, these horrific stories came out and I felt really compelled to really try and use, again, my platform to draw attention to this. And I will never forget this because it was so incredibly humbling. I wrote an op-ed along with a couple of individuals and we it was published by CNN and it was really essentially saying the world should care about the story and we should use our, our voices and our energy to call on, on government leaders to put pressure on both sides to, to bring the, the fighting to a halt. And we published it and it, it did nothing. It wasn't oh. even a blip on the radar. And in fact, the day we published it, was the day there was a major breakthrough, I believe in the Britney Spears case. And <laughs> God love Britney, you know, I'm pleased yeah. the conservatorship is over. You know, she's been through hell by all accounts. But it was one of those moments, Richard, where I was like, wow, there's a war happening. People are getting killed and the mass rapes and nobody gives a shit.
0: And yeah. everybody
1: is on my Britney. And that was a really difficult moment where I had to sit with myself. And just go, okay, well, you lost this one, but tomorrow is another day. And this is where the passion comes in because I'm passionate, because I'm committed. You just keep on going. You start again the next day. And Alyssa Milano talks about this on on my podcast as well. She's one of the guests and she says the same thing that ultimately it's the love of humanity that just keeps driving you forward.
0: She's one of the the people I follow on Twitter very frequently. And it's interesting to watch. She's always there. She's incredibly persistent, very smart, obviously very caring about you know the, the issues that she gets involved with. And yet sometimes it just falls on completely deaf ears, depending upon what else is going on in the world. And mm-hmm. you can't help but feel a massive amount of frustration for her, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I think about all those like her. Tell me, do you feel that this issue with the public not paying as much attention to global issues, because I believe we live in a very global world, despite, you know, what some countries are seemingly trying to do at the moment. Um, I've noticed this in my travels, that in the U.S. in particular, we have a very, what what feels like a very narrow worldview, that if it doesn't necessarily involve us we're very choosy when it comes to what we will even pay attention to, let alone care about. Whereas if I'm watching a news broadcast in London, for example, Mm -hmm. it feels maybe not about face completely different, but certainly a lot more balanced. Has that been your experience?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been in the States now, um, what is it coming up on 17 years? And, um, was struck by that from day one. Um, you know, I, I, I've had different reasons for it. I've had it's because America itself is so big and, you know, America could rival Europe, an entire continent. And so there's a lot happening within our borders. But I also think it's, it's fundamentally um, also as a result of the way news organizations frame the news and the stories that they choose to tell. And they've conditioned Americans to, to to put the American view above a kind of interconnected global view. And, I, you know, I was an anchor for CNN an International and, you know, that's where I belonged in an international milieu, if you will. But I, I think it's largely how we have conditioned Americans. And, and, and that's where we are now, you know, to get them to to care about international issues, as you say, it has to directly, it has to be a line that can be drawn from that issue to American soil, American citizens. And listen, I've worked in newsrooms for, you know, since I, I left university. And those are the conversations like, you know, you to bring up a story and they'll say, but how does it impact Americans? And, and every time mm-hmm. I think my heart would chip just a little bit every time that that was.
0: Yeah, it's just it just feels so isolated in a way that, you know, you just you you have this view of the world that, you know, just really isn't how the real world works. You know, just a case in point, I was I was actually in London when uh, there was a mass shooting in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And the coverage there was, you know, it was 24-7, around the clock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I left the day after that, returned home, and there was no coverage of it at all. You know, there was a, a couple of, you know, scattered articles I could click through on, on Twitter and nothing more. And it was, you know, it's it's very frustrating. Going back to, to your time at CNN, what sort of progress did you see while you were there, if any, w- you know, when it when it came to to sort of achieving that balance? And, you know, is that in part sort of you know where you'd like to see media globally and in the states sort of change in the future i would assume yes but you know i wanted to hear your thoughts on.
1: It. it's a complicated one right i think because again to make the distinction I it's seen in international so i was right at home with you know doing international stories we covered the world Um, you know, CNN International is a CNN you get when you travel outside of these borders, unless you have an extra, you know, you pay a little extra to pick it up here in the United States. So it's different from CNN USA. So, you know, in terms of where I sat, I think we did it exactly right. I think CNN USA, and, and, and I don't think I'm saying anything, you know, this isn't, this isn't, um, This is an heresy to people who were very good to me for the time I was there. I think it's fair to say that um, under Jeff Zucker, CNN took a different turn and particularly in the era of Trump became more politically, political theater became, you know, front and center and that edged out everything else, and I'm talking about CNN USA, it edged Mm -hmm. out international news in terms of meaningful coverage, unless it was an extremely big story, otherwise it just didn't make the cut. Um, What I would hope is that in this new era of CNN with Chris Licht, who is someone I have a great deal of respect for, that we will see a rebalancing of storytelling, and that's something that um, I look forward to, to seeing.
0: Well, from CNN to podcaster, your (laughs) your your podcast, the accidental activist, which is definitely a better title than this podcast I'm I'm running today. Um, How did that sort of come about? And you know, I I know it's it's going to debut. Well, it will have debuted. I think by the time people listen to this, about a week prior. But it debuts on uh, March the 25th, which is the this Friday, from when we're recording this, um, but yeah, how did how did that get started? And was that something that you really set out to do, or was that an accident too? I guess is accidental podcaster, accidental activist. <laughs> how, how did how did, that, how did that kind of come together?
1: You know, I think that with the work I did around the the, the Chibok girls and the work I've done with my own organization, and you know. Since then, just where I've decided to, to to use my voice, whether it's you know um, the the protests of Nigerian students and you know on you know around the, the policing that led to the killing of students on Lucky Toll Bridge um, a couple of years ago, whether it's been Ebola, whether it's been even COVID and and the lack of coverage around what it's meant for Africa. Um, I think my takeaway from all of those instances and in the work that I've done is that we need more people. We need more people, as I always say, moving from the sidelines to the front lines of the fight for change. And so, the accidental activist is born out of that selfish need or selfish, selfish desire to have more people with me doing this
0: work—purely
1: <laughs> um, selfish. And um, I, you know, I felt that, you know, creating a show where you know, we could show or we could illustrate via stories of people who are in the public eye, which, you know, would, would, would attract a certain level of attention to the show, but who were going about their, their daily business and then something clicked, changed, tripped them up, and then, you know, they flipped their lives to incorporate activism. I felt that was really, and I still feel it's really incredibly inspiring. And what I hope is that people will listen to the show and they'll be like, huh, you know, that accidental activist moment, you know, you know changed the course of, you know, Margaret Cho's life, or, you know, um, again, um, uh, Alison Stoner's life uh, or Forrest Whitaker's life. And, and now look, they're doing this work. So I don't have to be born to this, this, this work. I don't have to have been doing it. I can start today. And then I can join Aisha in her efforts. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that's really where it came from.
0: That's, that's such a good point. I, I love that, that, you know, there's, we're all going along doing our own thing. And, you know, sooner or later, I do believe, I, I like to believe anyway, that we all find that thing that we are all passionate about. It's wonderful that, you know, that you found yours. And I, I look forward to listening to it on a regular Indeed. basis, wherever fine podcasts are found.
1: Indeed. Thank you for the little plug
0: oh absolutely Aisha it's been a pleasure talking to you today you know like I said I can't wait to to hear your podcast and, and you know see what you do next
1: thank you Richard it, it's been such a pleasure and uh, I look forward to the next invitation I'll bring tea and crumpets
0: excellent I will now you're definitely getting one so <laughs> <laughs> but thanks very much
1: thank you be well
0: thanks for listening. For more content and podcasts like this one, visit www.advertisingweek.com or follow Advertising Week on your favorite social platforms. Chaptering and other structural elements for this podcast are powered by Snackable AI. With the ability to unify all content in one place, have AI distill the best insights instantaneously, and share them seamlessly, businesses on Snackable create more relevant value for their audiences faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai.